Hello, my name is David Braben. Um, I'm CEO of Frontier Developments and welcome to the Xbox One Party Chat Podcast. Xbox On. Game on, baby! Wow! Hey everybody and welcome to Xbox One Party Chat, the official podcast of the Xbox One subreddit. I am this week's host, Ross Miller, and I'm joined by, he's known as Clay by some and Uncle Jesse by others. It's Uncle Clay Jesse Parker. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on, Ross? And we thought that he was no longer going to be on the podcast as someone told us he was Finnish. That's, <laughs> that's just rude. That's racist, sir. Lo- love that dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, we are a month into the podcast already. It's been four weeks as it's episode four. Woo, Can you woo. believe that that's been a month already that this has been running? Wow. It's gone exactly. so fast. Yep. It's uh, a, a little too crazy for me, personally. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to thank everyone in the subreddit and uh, like Twitter has been blown up. It's just been an amazing four weeks. So thank you, everyone that's offered the support and listened over the last few weeks. It's been great. Yeah. But the show must go on, as they say. And uh, we do have David Braben from Frontier later in the episode for an interview where he's going to be discussing some horizons. He's yes. excited to hear about that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I am, I'm a huge you, Elite fan. I have been, like, my whole life, so I can't wait to talk to him. You've already talked to him. We've already recorded it. <laughs> you, you, you just, you just got to be the guy to shatter the illusion, don't you? There's children yeah. crying now because of you. You're like, Santa is not real. They're You're not doing this. They're not doing Show this Live? Oh. Live? <laughs> the pre-recording so things anyway, for us? How dare they? Well, anyway, uh, Reese, you were at something very exciting this week. So would you like to say what you were doing? Yeah, sure. Uh, this week I actually attended uh, a presentation uh, by ID at Xbox. If anyone doesn't know, that's the uh, the Xbox indie developer program at Flux Helsinki. And it was hosted by Agostino Simonetta. That's really hard to say. And even he knows it, so he goes by Ago. And he is the European head of the ID at Xbox program. And it was it was super cool. Uh, I got to sit there and listen to him explain uh, basically uh, how to join the program and uh, what the challenges that are faced by indie developers on all platforms are and, and uh, all the things that Microsoft does to help indie developers grow. Like, for example, uh, if you sign up for the program, Microsoft will give you two free dev kits and a yeah. free license yeah. for uh, Unity. I did not know that. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was just super cool and super informative. And Ago, if you're listening, hi. Uh, when I came up to him after the show and introduced myself, his face lit up. He knew exactly who I was. He is an avid reader of the sub, so well done guys he uh he loves you and he likes the podcast as well so yeah hi ago next week i'm going to something called games first in helsinki and uh i'm gonna see sam lake speak about the making of quantum break and a whole bunch of other stuff it should be very fun that should be awesome so i'll be sure and i'll be sure and tell you guys what happens there brilliant and it was also a big week for the subreddit wasn't it it was we entered the top 200 subreddits and we passed the 200,000 subscriber mark at the exact same time it's almost as if it's linked (laughs) you're you're just you're just negative nelly today ross what's up do you need a hug i am a happy chap happy scotsman (laughs) now i was on and i seen some links to another subreddit called r slash 
true xbox what was that about well we've gone mainstream haven't we we're no longer cool oh is this the edgy alternative <laughs> yeah it's it seems that way yeah the new There's underground spread some of my it, negativity it, about true xbox now. It, it, it's it's like the hipster subreddit now that's right oh <laughs> there's gonna be well. chai lattes in there and beards and, and everything that's right I, some I, craft beer i'm actually working on the uh the last week on true xbox video <laughs> posting so it'll be up it'll be up monday <laughs> right so what have you guys been playing this week start with you clay yeah i uh ross right up your alley man i've been playing the gears for beta i think that between yeah. that and rocket league uh hoops edition i've been getting my rear end handed to me on on hoops uh, cannot seem to to get that into the to the to the goal there, but uh, Gears Four, man, I am absolutely loving that, and uh, I I cannot wait. What's when's that coming out? This September? So I'm gonna, October, something October, like that. October, yeah. I'm uh, gonna be sad when this beta ends. <laughs> I could I could no joke yeah. just keep playing this until it's released. So. <laughs> what I've noticed is the more you learn the maps, the easier it gets. Right. It's just learning those routes. That's what I always find the focal points, but I've, I've loved that as well. Um, so, yeah, for me this week, I have been playing through Fallout again. Oh, nice. With the oh. DLC, just doing a little bit. Well, not playing through it again. I hadn't finished my first run through, but I'm doing some of the DLC stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've basically spent this week in my settlements and... Um, Pimping them all out. Can I say that? Yeah, yeah. I think you can. I, I was, I was yeah. going to say one does not simply finish a Fallout game. No, no. Or um, you Bethesda certainly get your money's too. worth at a Fallout game, don't you? Yeah, well, that's just the Bethesda thing, isn't it? Huge open world, technically an I'll... infinite amount of activities. Yeah, well, I, like, I want to have my sort of main core bits of it done for mm-hmm. the mods coming in because there's still some achievements I need to get. And once you use a mod, you can no longer unlock the achievements. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. So um, I want to get my achievements out of the way before I, uh, I mod it and um, add some stuff in. And of course, there's some new DLC coming as well. But yeah, I'm still enjoying Wandering the Wasteland. Ross, do you know if you once you put in a mod, have you heard anything about that? If, if you put in a mod, can you just at any point turn it off or... Have you heard how that, how it that works? It creates well? a split save. Mm-hmm. So you've got the save pre mod and then the save post mod. You can revert back to the pre mod hmm. uh, save. Okay. Oh, that's smart. But then you've lost your content post mod, of course. Yeah. But yeah. Um, you know, I would rather get the sort of, you know, the, the, the bits that I want to do out the way, get my settlement good, and then I'm not too bothered about if I use a mod. And I, I can't wait to see what the Fallout community make for it. So, right. Yeah. Reese, what about you? I have been uh, very, very busy this week, actually. Like I said, going to the presentation and a whole bunch of other stuff. But uh, I have still been playing Quantum Break. I've been chipping away at it. I still haven't finished it yet. Um, I've got to be pretty close to the end by now, I think. It's, But uh, but yeah, uh, playing Quantum Break and also just a little bit of uh, on the Wii U, The Legend of Zelda Wind Walker in HD, which is a really good HD remake. But yes, it's a really nice remake. Uh, I know I'm not talking about Xbox here, but that game has seriously (laughs) held up to scrutiny graphically. It's really good. It's my favorite Zelda. Run at me. So, so Risa, are there still still pots that you can break in that over and over? Dude, it's Zelda. (laughs) Just go into some guy's store and and trash his pots in his... his Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know something? Whoever like makes pottery in Zelda must be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> something I've just always thought about. You know, they constantly get work, don't they? They're not going to be out of work anytime soon. No. But I think we'll move on to the the week on the subreddit. Yeah. Yes. So I'll start us off with my pick. Um, Red Destiny TJ. Um, now, just to say, we're reading off some notes here because we write them all down, and someone's decided to put in the Rossinator. <laughs> so, quite happy I'm going to keep that name. Um, it's a rumour that a new Xbox hardware and controller is to be announced at E3. So, I want to get your guys' thoughts on that. First of all, what do you think it 
will be? Is it going to be an Elite, a Slim, a Xbox 1.5? What, what are we going to see? Ooh, tough call. Because Phil came out and specifically said that he does not like the concept of an Xbox One and a half. But with the NX launching and also the PS Neo, like uh, there's some pretty stiff competition there that might force their hands. What do you think, Clay? Yeah, I think if if anything, I don't think we're going to see the whole modular Xbox that they were talking about. I can't remember what show that was. Maybe it was GDC or, or something just recently. Uh, but I mm-hmm. do think what they will be announcing is a slim Xbox One. And I, and I have a feeling that there might just be an elite moving forward. So the what's the elite come with? One terabyte hard drive or two terabyte hard drive? I think that's going to be the yeah. standard moving forward for, for it's the It's a console. one terabyte uh, SSD drive. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. I think it's a hybrid SSD, actually. Someone someone on the sub will tell me I'm wrong. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> better better you than me. And also, but, yeah. we do enjoy. Yeah, we always get corrected every week in the comments, and we're quite happy to be corrected because it's learning. Yes. So, for me, I think... I don't know. I like the charm of the bigger Xbox. I think we may get a discless console digitally. That would be nice. But I mean, I don't know why there's so much hate for the size and shape of the Xbox. Maybe I just have no no taste, but I think the the Xbox One actually looks pretty good. And the fact that it has a an absolutely gigantic fan in there stops it yeah. from overheating and doesn't make a sound at all. Like, have you guys do you guys own PS4s? Yes. I do, yeah. That thing is loud. When you when you got a disc in there, it's like a turbine. <laughs> if I'm honest, my console is quite noisy when the fan goes. Your Xbox One? Yeah. How close do you sit to it? Um, maybe about a quarter of a meter. Okay, well. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. <laughs> um, no, it can. It can at times sound a little bit noisy, but, you know, everyone's console's different with different wear and tear and things as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, would you drop more money on a slim console or? Yes. No. I would. Discless? <laughs> um, discless? At the moment, for me, I, I do like the concept of that. I don't own a lot of... Actually, I do have a lot of <laughs> digital games now. I still have a good bit that are on disc that I've purchased. Uh, but I would definitely yeah. buy another console. Um, I've been on the fence about picking up another one. Um, and I'm waiting to see what comes with this. But it would a slim for me... I'm fine with the current model, how thick it is and how big it is. Other than the fact that when I travel, I would like to bring it with me, and it being so large makes it a pain yeah. to carry around with me. A slimmer Xbox One, I would be in love with, just for travel yeah, see, purposes. I, I never even thought of that. Yeah. yeah, it's something that I've never actually done, so yeah, that, that makes perfect sense for me, actually. Yeah, the travel edition. Do you guys remember the GameCube? Oh, yeah. Because... Because it had like a handle on it the back did. there just for you to pick up. <laughs> it did. Yeah. Ultra convenient. Yeah, no, totally. But you know, like you used to walk around your friend's house with your GameCube. Mm. Everyone would bring around their controllers and you would have a party night. Yeah, no, yeah. I can I can understand that. With the internet, that sort of redundant console idea is a little bit redundant because people tend to stay in their own houses to play now. <laughs> but yeah, no, I can understand. Look, what... Is this to counter the NX next year? Oh, Sony and Xbox are both upgrading the hardware half through the generation. Potentially, again, it's all rumor. Okay, but is this to counter the NX? Do they know something we don't? I would say absolutely. Like, of course, all the companies know roughly what's going on in in the other companies. I would say that uh, Sony and Microsoft, like Sony's, definitely not worried because they have. So many PS4s right now. They could just stop making games and <laughs> for the rest of the gen and they'd still be fine. But uh, they definitely don't want to lose their edge. And, you know, Nintendo is like a wild card because everyone knows where Nintendo is. And if word gets out on the street that the new Nintendo is, is like, you know, the hot shit, then then that's probably something that's going to worry both Microsoft and Sony. 
So do you think do you think that the you had mentioned that the Sony has the edge right now with the PS4 and there's so many people that own the PS4. If new consoles are coming out, I kind of see that as an advantage for Nintendo and Xbox. That means that all these people already have PlayStations. They're probably less likely to buy another PlayStation potentially and they'd be more open to buying the newest and latest Nintendo or Xbox console, potentially. I don't know. Maybe my thinking's completely off on this. But no, that's a very good point. That's a good point, yeah. Then again, I, I am the guy that just said two seconds ago that I was wanting to buy another Xbox One. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, for me, if I want to buy a second Xbox, it has to do something that my first Xbox does not. Preach, brother. So like, <laughs> so like for what you said, being portable doesn't really bother me. The Elite is attractive, especially since it comes with an Elite controller. Mm. But you know, it needs to do something that I don't. So I'm I'm open to suggestions, um, and I'm looking forward to see what happens at E3 this year, where we can all stop speculating and find out exactly what the deal is. Yeah. Clay, yes, sir. Do you have any stories that stand out for you in the subreddit this week? Yeah, um, I'm actually going to talk about a post that user Brian Miller submitted, which was about the world premiere for the new Battlefield game announcement this coming Friday on May 6th at 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, so I wanted to chat with you guys. I mean, I'm I'm a huge Battlefield fan, um, and wanted to get your both of your opinions on what you guys think the game might be about. Is it are they going to go futuristic? Are they going to go old school World War II style? Are they going to stick with the the modern theme? What do you guys think? Well, I love Battlefield. I mean, Clay, you know, I've played Battlefield yes. 4 together on several occasions. Yep. Uh, and and so I'm also, like, really, really excited. <laughs> but um, on the subject of whether it's going to be futuristic or not, that's a really hard call, because on one hand, t- Battlefield 2142 would be an easy sell. Mm-hmm. And not just that, but because all of the DLC in Battlefield 4 was sort of leading towards the 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 world of 2142 even with titan mode which was the staple of 20 2143 and uh like but at the same time the future shooter market is like completely flooded like you've got titanfall 2 you've got the last three call of duties you know you've got halo you got everything so it would really come out of left field and feel kind of fresh if battlefield went Back in time. What was the game that they had that came out as a, a an arcade title on the 360? 21, uh, 1943. 1943. I absolutely loved that game. And I can't tell you how much how many hours I put into that. And I've just, I kept thinking about this when, uh, when they were, you know, saying that this announcement's going to happen this coming Friday. And going, fingers crossed, please let it be more of that. Please let it be more of that. Just larger and more destructibility. I would... I'd be all over it. See, I think it is going to be that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've already got the new Call of Duty supposedly set in space. It's looking that way. Mm-hmm. We've got Titanfall 2 dropping this year. Is Battlefield really going to go up against them this year? Or is it going to offer something different from those two so that people might pick up a multiple purchase. Yeah. Hard I personally sell. think Yeah, I personally think that they, they might go down that route. Now, yes, the custom you know, you can't customize certain things and and everything else, but you can still have battle packs and battlefield mm-hmm. if they're wanting to do their, their in game purchases. They can still unlock special outfits and weapons and, and everything else. You know, they, they still have that option. Yes, it might not look as pretty as having a pink zebra-striped machine gun, which <laughs> we all have. But, you know, for me, being that different and EA have been good over the last few years. And I would really 
love for them to see and give what a lot of the fans I know really want, and that is this. Yeah, yeah. EA has been uh, has been really doing uh, a good job of improving their previously awful, awful <laughs> reputation. <laughs> yes, they really. They it's, yeah. it's really hard to think that like now the standing that EA have and the, the the way that they do listen to fans and and implement things and everything else. It's it's really really great to look forward to an EA conference and to see what they have. I cannot wait for Friday just to see what it is. Like you guys, I really like Battlefield and I can't wait for Friday. Why haven't the three of us played together yet? I, was... I don't have time to game because I'm always podcasting. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> or prepping for podcasts or editing podcasts yeah. or bleeping yeah. out the podcasts if, or if anyone's curious like i take all the credit as the moderator but it's actually ross who does the work here <laughs> yeah. oh, and, 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 Je- and jesse just turns up i just show up <laughs> <laughs> reese what was your pick of the week my pick is is very sad sad news user blackout 747 posted the link that Lionhead is closing today frowny face so it's the end of an era. It's like undeniably uh, a, a big moment in, in games history. Uh, and how do you guys feel about that? I want to know if, did you guys actually play the Fable Legends beta? Did you like it? Did you not like it? If you did, what do you think it needed to actually be successful? No, I didn't play it. And I had it installed. Yep. And I could have played it at any time. But any time I sat down and I went to that My Games and Apps and I looked at all the titles that I had, something else caught my eye before Fable Legends ever did. Yep. Ouch. And yeah, and, and that is, and it does sound quite harsh, but I wasn't excited for the game. I, mm. I wasn't and either. Yeah. It's, it's did you play it, that, Clay? Yeah. No, no. It's I, the same situation as Ross. I, I, while I, I did enjoy uh, the first Fable game and the, I think it was the second. I can't remember if it was the yeah. second or the. I can't remember. Why I didn't play one of them. I, I might have skipped the second and played the third. Um, it definitely enjoyed those. Loved the first one. Um, but I, for whatever reason, I just really was not interested in Fable Legends at all. I kept, I really kept hoping that they were going to go back <clears throat> and do another black and white series. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys ever played those back on yeah. uh, oh, I PC. Loved it. And uh, yeah, I was going, fingers crossed they're going to do that. Fingers crossed they're going to do that. And it never happened. <laughs> so that means that I'm the only one out of us three that actually played the beta. Yeah. <laughs> oh... well i guess i guess i guess really we don't need to elaborate on that any further just because that really says it all doesn't it yeah unfortunately okay in that case now that fable sorry now that Lionhead is gone um there was there was a big argument in the comments i noticed while reading through over fable 3 uh do you guys think it was good or bad? It seems really polarizing. I, I'm a middle ground in the sense that I didn't think it was amazing, but I didn't think it was as bad as what other people made out. And Clay, you already established that you have no idea which games. Yeah, yeah I was going. I was going. So, played. so I, you, my opinion is, it must have been so good that I can't remember if it was two or three that I actually played through. Okay, so. in uh, in the one you played, did you become king? I do not recall that. No. Then you skipped three. Well, right. I, I'm with you, Ross. Um, I actually think that. Fable 3 addressed so many issues that Fable 2 had. I think if you were to go and play 2, then 3, uh, I think a lot of this is... Ro- like A lot of the hate for 3 is actually like unfounded, rose-tinted glasses. But um, it definitely wasn't amazing. That's That's always been a staple of the Fable series, I think. And that's really good, but not as good as it could be. Like, there's nothing mm-hmm. worse than playing a game that's almost awesome. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes absolute perfect sense to me. We now move over to a pre-recorded interview with David Braben. 
All right. Hey, everybody. We are very, very excited to be bringing you another wonderful interview. And today it's with Frontier Development's own David Braben. So with us today is myself, Uncle Jesse, along with Ross. Hello. And Reese. Hello. So, Reese, why don't you go ahead and introduce our wonderful guest? Well, Okay, sure. Uh, today, as, as you just mentioned, we have uh, David Braben. And uh, David is, uh, David is, I've just uh, totally screwed up that. <laughs> Let's go again. So yeah, uh, as you just mentioned before, we have David Braben with us. And I really don't think it's fair for me to tell you who he is. I, I, think, uh, I think David should introduce himself. Say hi, David. Sure. Hi, everybody. Um, <laughs> so I'm the uh, founder of uh, Frontier. Um, you know me, we did uh, the Elite game with Ian Bell all the way back in the early 80s, which came out in 1984, and masses of games since. So a huge gaming fan and fan of sci-fi generally. Um, really great to be on the podcast. Um, obviously, a lot of people know about Elite Dangerous. If you don't, then I'd be surprised you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, but, you know, come and join us. It's great fun. Uh, we did a Kickstarter and all sorts of things and uh, uh, brought back a genre, which I'm very proud of. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic to have you with us. We're, we're very happy. So thank you for giving us some of your time today. You're very welcome. Um, so moving on, um, just to say you mentioned Elite Dangerous there, of course, and one of the questions I just would like to know is what goes into building a star-spanning sci-fi universe? A massive amount. I mean, the, there, <laughs> there are so many challenges. I mean, I've always been massively fascinated by just how big space is, how big the galaxy is, how how different a world it is, and how we our existence is all on this tiny little grain of dust in a huge sort of sea of swimming other um, sort of motes of dust, if you like. And it's that feeling of the enormity of it and being able to be part of that that is something that I've wanted to do for such a long time. I mean, the, with the original Elite that I did um, within, I think, was, was trying to sort of uh, scratch that itch, if you like, um, even in 80s technology. And with the Elite series, I've sort of um, essentially done it better each time. And I think Elite Dangerous is a real tour de force. So the amazing team here have gone so much further than I was ever able to do, you know, with the whole simulation of the galaxy, which is, is, is so rich and big and varied and is getting better um, by each update that we do. You know, if you look at, we've got sort of millimeter scale planets that are truly planet size and, you know, even bigger than Earth going right down to, uh, um, essentially rocks that are only 100 miles across. But I say only 100 miles across. When you think of that as a game level, that's still absolutely humongous. And, you know, you can drive around them in your SRV or fly around them in a ship and land and all that sort of thing, you know, genuinely, seamlessly. And so they've done such a great job of realising that and all of the detail that's behind it, all the simulation that goes into it, whether it's the, the chemistry of the planet formation or whether it's the the physics of how all the little planetesimals gather together to make the planets, how planets fling each other out of orbits and all that sort of thing that is in the game. You know, the, the, it's that side of it. And I'm sure there is a, a group of people listening to this going, oh, God, yawn. You know, that's... that's, a, that's a, <laughs> I doubt that. No. Well, well no, no, they might say, what's the point? And the answer is that the point is there for a lot of us. It matters a lot to me, a huge amount to me. I think it matters an awful lot to, um, you know, people I've seen on the on the Elite Dangerous Reddit, for example, on the Xbox subreddit as well, um, you know, the, the, the fact that the, there's, there's so much science behind it. But, it, you know, we would have had to have done a background anyway. And it's nice to have the background to be real. In the same way, I love films that have grounding in reality, even if they're fictional in a realistic setting, you know, like a Second World War film inherits so much from the Second World War and the settings, even if the characters are fictional. You know, and it's that sort of spirit that sort of came behind it. And, you know, that the sort of so to sort of answer the question, you know, what goes into it? An awful lot of care, <laughs> love, thought, <laughs> blood, sweat, tears, late nights and all that from a lot of people. And I'm it was I mean, I get to take the credit, which is feels a bit wrong somehow. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not all bad. 
So, so David, uh, you mentioned there um, uh, that there were some influences from from film and cinema. Um, could you sort of expand on that? I mean, what what really helped influence this series and this particular title? Is there any specific sci-fi movies or or TV shows that that helped influence this? Well, I, I think to be honest, for me personally, at least, the biggest influence was books. Um, particularly books during the late 60s, early 70s that I would devour as a kid um, as whenever they came out. I'd just read them avidly and immense, immerse myself into those sort of sci-fi worlds, all slightly different, all with sort of different bases behind them. Um, and I think the first time I saw that embodied in film was the first Star Wars film. You know, that, that was, yeah. uh, you know, I was sort of an impressionable teenager at the time. And I, I thought that was great. It was the first time a film sort of crossed the boundary into the richness of the sci-fi, hinting at so much more, you know, the the whole Moss Eisley bar, you know, the, the spirit that pe- individual people didn't matter, all of that sort of thing, which was, was a common trope of the a lot of the books at the time. But if you think of things that were around at that time, like Star Trek, and there had been lots of others, they're all quite different and shallow in the way that they... they um, they were put together and didn't match the richness of the, the sci-fi worlds of people like Niven, Cornell, Asimov, and the the, the large number forward, the, the, all the people, the writers of that period. You know, and, and write, the writings carried on. And I've kept, you know, I was a huge fan of um, of Ian M. Banks, um, who's obviously sadly oh, recently died. Yeah, he's got such, you know, but it's that sort of richness that I'm I'm talking about. If you haven't read the earlier sort of science mm. fiction of the 60s and 70s, particularly the 70s, which was actually very forward-looking. Yeah. Um, I, I think, don't feel, I mean, just to answer the, the question more richness, obviously we've got a very big team, and I think the, if you ask each person, they'd probably say they would put a different emphasis on their influences. And, you know, if it's um, from an art direction point of view, you know, all of these sort of things. I, I think um, what's happened is we've, we've together come up with a really consistent art style which has has had lots of inputs from lots of places. Um, but as I say, for me personally, um, the, the strongest influence is books and maybe those early Star Wars films. Great. You say that because it is hard to just look at the game and go, oh, that's heavily influenced by this. That is very distinctive in its own way. So that's a great answer for explaining that. But Well, also, just, just to ask, answer that a little bit further, you know, one of the things that... Um, I always hate is when things are particularly derivative of other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that um, if ever um, I see something internally saying, oh, that's a bit like so-and-so. I said, right, we've got to, it can't be a bit like so-and-so. It has to be ours. You know, and it, it's, it's one of the strong reasons that, for example, I've said, no, we're not having artificial gravity. We do it because that is actually differentiates ourselves. If you look at the, the sort of the iconic, um, I suppose, toilet roll might be the way to describe the inside of the station, you know, the, the giant... Um, cylinder that you land mm, on. Yeah. You know, that, that's something that I've never, not even heard of in, seen in books, but it's such an obvious way to do it. Because even if we had artificial gravity, it would consume vast amounts of power. You know, <laughs> because, you know, just for, for obvious reasons, whereas rotating something, it will stay rotating essentially indefinitely. So your, your artificial gravity is basically free, albeit on a slightly annoying curved surface. <laughs> now, do you think more publishers are going to start to create their own space games now that your own game and Star Citizen are doing well and came from crowdfunding? Uh, maybe. Um, I think having, I mean, obviously I've worked in the publisher process for um, more than 30 years. And I think I've seen it happen where what happens is the initial concept is great. And the, the, it's the real, the real challenge, which I think publishing is waking up to. So I think the, the, the quick answer is yes. But if you look at um, a game uh, like Mass Effect or um, there have been others as well, where in a big publishing organization, there is something, there's a green light process, uh, which happens early on in a project where often a vertical slice of gameplay is put together. Yeah. Uh, and the marketing department has to sign off development has to sign off, um, you know, lots of different departments sign off, both finance, finance obviously has to sign off. And one of the big challenges is, and I've, I don't want to name publishers or anything, but, you know, d- during my life, obviously, I've had a lot of discussions with publishers about games, space games. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the challenge is 
always you see this process starting where they say, all right, well, how do we promote a space game? We want a character. And I was I obviously watched the Mass Effect games with huge interest. And, yeah. you know, they internally talked about that as a space game. And mm. which obviously it is on the face of it. But when you think of it actually in the way you play it, it's they say, oh, you need a character to focus the marketing on because that's what people empathize with, which is is fine. Um, and then very quickly you go down the route of, oh, the character's got to interact with other characters. And very quickly you have what is essentially a, a first person game set in a space world. Yeah. Where the, the, the to me anyway, the Mass Effect, I mean, if you think of the, the particularly the first game, where I thought, oh, wow, this would be good. You know, you get to roam around between the planets. Actually, it's probably a good, I don't know, five hours plus of gameplay before you even get to do that <laughs> because it's so constrained. I mean, even when you get to the spaceship, you, you're forced to go one place. I'm trying to remember, it's a long, long time since I played right. it. So I can sort yeah. of almost hearing people say, no, it's not, you should have done this, um, <laughs> which is, is, is pro more than possible. Um, and I'm also one of the few people I know of that didn't get to sleep with the alien in Mass Effect. So I don't know what I was doing that was wrong. As <laughs> a story, anyway, let's not go into that either. David, would you say that, would you say that the space is the main character in Elite Dangerous then? Yes, it's either space or the spaceship. This is the point. And, and that is very contrary to a marketing approach. And I think that's one of the things where, um, and, and this is more historic, because I think publishers have changed a lot of the way they're working. And doubtless, um, you know, right now, there are people looking at Elite Dangerous and the funding that Star Citizens managed to get. And of course, uh, No Man's Sky. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, they're looking at it and going, oh, well, actually, maybe we want we want some of this. But I think there, there is a danger, and we've seen it before. I've seen it before in lots of other genres where a phenomenally successful game is released. And then you have a year or two, and then there are lots and lots of, dare I say it, also runs in the same genre that aren't seen as anything like as good. as the, Because what, what people, is, and what is great about this day and age, I mean, you see it with Elite Dangerous, is Elite Dangerous isn't standing still. You know, the, 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 we're in an industry that changes so quickly. They're not competing with Elite Dangerous today. They're competing with Elite Dangerous at their launch date. And if that's a year or two hence, Elite Dangerous is continuing to get richer and better. So it, it, it's, it's a case, I mean, if you look at, I mean, Destiny has got some of the pretensions of Elite. Um, you know, so I, I think the, 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 the beautiful thing here is any competition is actually better for players. Because yeah. it, keep, it keeps it keeps us honest. It keeps the publishers honest. You know that. And to be honest, there are the world of games is so broad, and there are so many gaps of great opportunities to make games. What I would love to see is publishers doing new stuff. There are some wonderfully exciting indie creations coming through. Um, you know, not not just space games, but games that touch on different aspects of space. And personally, I'd love to see those explored. It does inwardly. I do sigh when I see a game that is incredibly similar to another game. I think, what is the point of putting all that effort in to do something that's remarkably similar and in some ways not as good? But it might be in some ways better. But do you see what I mean? It's that. Yeah, it's, it's when you see films from Hollywood. You see, you see two or more films with almost the exact same thematic content, and I, <laughs> you, you start to think, oh, that second one was funded a lot later because it was done as a spoiler. You know, I mean, we see we see that with um, I don't want to name the movies, but the, the, where you get two within a few months of each other from rival studios that are remarkably similar. Yeah, it's, it's usually with yeah. The Rock, Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Johnson. And all of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, yes. um, but it's not a new thing. It's been around for ages. Yeah. Just to be a top of that, like, there's something so exciting when you get a new mechanic as well, wasn't there? I was playing super hot today and just there was a new mechanic in that that time stops when you're uh not, well, I don't know if it is a new mechanic, but it's certainly the first time I've came across it. You know, time stops when you're not moving, and I just loved yeah. that mechanic. It just, it's a nice feeling when well, you get something Yeah, new. so it is nice. I mean, it, yeah. it's things like that, messing with time. You know, there have been lots of games that have done it quite often in the title as well. There are, yeah. they, they introduce rich mechanics where the world is paused and you can run around or the world goes slowly, you know, the, where, or there are things you can do in the game to slow down the rest of the world. You know, it's, all of those mechanics, I think, uh, work very, very well in sort of first-person type action games because they mess with the way you play with it. Right. And yeah. I, I think that's I think that's great, and I, I applaud a lot of these these ideas 
often come out of an indie background. Um, and I think what would be nice to see is some of these more ambitious indies sort of being helped by publishers. If you see what I mean, you know, rather than publishers just going in, in a almost a scorched earth policy right. um, of, you know, trying to say, oh, we'll have that, we'll do it from scratch and we'll we'll do it very badly. I mean, it, it, there are some games, I mean, look at, you know, the, the Dungeon Keeper and what EA did to it, which I thought was quite um, depressing in many ways in terms no, of the monetization. <laughs> Sorry, I made it. They may named the name of a game. I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, so David, uh, along these lines of uh, coming out with new games and completely new IPs and uh, publishing games, you guys took part in the Xbox One preview program. Um, I guess, how did that help you guys out in developing the game uh, and making it available on the Xbox One? And would you recommend that for other people that are creating new games oh i think it was a it was a great program and um we were a big supporter we were actually the the very first game yes. on it or i think in the you end were. it was almost joint first but i think we were actually the first and that was that was fantastic and you know we were part of the announcement of the program as well i mean obviously we've got a very good relationship with microsoft and you know hats off for them for allowing us to do it um I think it, it helps developers a huge amount because, um, you know, the, the Xbox as a platform is quite different. I mean, I know, you know technically there are similarities with PC, but it, it's, you know, the beautifully self-contained, you've got machines of a very similar, you know, they're the same spec as each other. Whereas with PCs, you've got this huge sort of dynamic range. That I think it's a really, really good um, program and it's great for, um, seeing how people play the releases because people do play quite differently on xbox than to, to pc right. and so it was fantastic for us to sort of you know do a genuine exploration and test with the xbox audience it was very very helpful so and and, and you know i i think i would recommend it to people excellent now, the game itself could be considered a wet dream for vr enthusiasts how much was VR considered during the development process? Well, I think the thing to remember is with our team is made up of gamers who, yeah. and, and also, dare I say it, people like me who are sort of techie early adopters as well, who, who love shiny new things to play around with. <laughs> and, and so, you know, it was within two weeks or closer to a week of the launch of the alpha that we actually put in VR support for the Oculus Rift, as it was then, and later became known as the DK1. Yeah. Um, and I was very pleased with that. We had in mind that we could support VR right from the, the design start. So it, it wasn't a huge leap. Although, I'm, you know, the confession is that um, I hadn't imagined we would put it in until a much later time when the, the game was more mature. And, and I think it was, it was partly sort of discussions with the team. So that people, they just wanted to look, we'll do it in our own time and all this sort of thing. The, the enthusiasm was amazing. And I thought, well, look, if so many people here are this enthusiastic, then I'm sure there are people out there. And one of the things that I had said during the Kickstarter was we're writing this game for ourselves and, you know, that come and join us. This is what we want to make. And that is a brilliant, almost self-selecting um, system where we select people that are very like us. And therefore, we can, rather than going to, I don't know, focus groups or whatever, we actually we can just get in a huddle and say, do we really want this? And then we sort of guilty expression, the guilty smile saying, yes, actually, we really do want this. And, and, and so, uh, you know, that's how, that's how it got in. And it's the, it's the wonderful freedom that um, both Kickstarter and being independent um, has, has got us, you know, and to, to, to touch back on one of your previous questions with publishers, I know it would have had to have happened. We would have had to have made a business case for supporting VR yeah, that would have taken more manpower, person power, than actually implementing the thing, because we would say, well, all right, you know, we'd have to trawl, say, we think there are going to be this many VR headsets. Um, uh, we think this percentage of the people with VR headsets will play our game. And you probably look at it in the face of it going, what is that all? And how long will it take? You know, and that can take a lot of time and be very distracting. Whereas this was actually really quick because it was a case of, OK, let's let's spend a day on it and let's see what it's like. And, you know, try, we tried it in a uh, in a DK one. 
that we had here. And it was brilliant. And so we thought we've got to do this. And so we then turned it, you know, we made the, because one of the problems when we first did it, it was only the view that worked. You know, there are so much, and there's, there's still, we're, we're still improving the you know, elements of the UI that aren't very VR friendly. Um, because that's always the challenge, you know, how is it just a small section of the game you do in VR or is it the whole thing? But no, no question, you know, it's it, it's wonderful, and you know, it's got so much better. D, the, the the step from DK1 to DK2 was huge, and probably a similar step between uh, DK2 and the released version, and similarly Vive, you know. And I'm sure there are steps in the future as well, you know, in terms of the the, the resolution. You can still very easily see the pixels, but it, you know, the experience keeps getting better. And in that, it's sort of paralleling the the earlier development of um, computers in the 80s, you know, where, you know, the idea of not being able to see the pixels would have been <laughs> incredible if you think of the resolutions. Yeah. You know, we were playing um, on, uh, you know, not uncommon to have uh, displays that were only 128 pixels across. If you if you think of the early PCs and then 320 pixels across came and it looked awesome, it looked brilliant. You know, and now we're talking each eye being you know, uh, over a thousand pixels. So we've come a long way, but there's still a long way to go. So I'm just going to jump in here and ask you a question that uh, I know that every single person who owns an Xbox One and plays your game is is just clamoring for someone to ask you probably for the umpteenth time. And that is, can you tell us some more about Horizons for the Xbox One? Have you got any idea of a release time for us? Mm -hmm. We do. Um, it's coming. We're very excited about it. The team are, are working on it now. They're really, really excited to start showing it. Um, it's coming uh, this quarter, quarter two this year. We've not uh, put a fixed date on it yet, but uh, it's it's really awesome. You know, they've done a good job driving around planet surfaces. All of that content is coming, and I'm really excited to for people to see that on Xbox. Wow. It's awesome to hear. It, it, would you be able to, just for any of our listeners that aren't familiar with Horizons yet, would you be able to just elaborate a, a little bit on what what that uh, entails? So Horizons is coming. It's a, it's a season of content. Very, very exciting in terms of what it does. It allows you to go down on to planet surfaces. That's um, surfaces without atmospheres, that's a huge, a ridiculous number of planets you can go and visit. You can land at uh, surface starports that are around on these planets. There are also um, bases, some of which are secret, that you can go on missions to raid. You can do it with other players. Uh, you can discover other players out there. You know, the, uh, it, we're going straight in with the first two updates that have been that some people may have heard about, which is 2.0 and 2.1. Um, in other words, planetary landings and the engineers. Um, so sort of hitting the ground running, if you like. So there'll be a lot of exciting things to do and see. The other um, thing to which we've we've already touched on, but just to um, emphasize, is there is an, a free update coming to Xbox um, sooner, which is the uh, 1.6 update coming the same time as the PC. Which will also, um, you know, there are new things being done for missions um, in the game. A lot of improvements to the interface that people have been asking for, um, you know, and, and and just a whole raft of rich changes that people will love. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Now, moving on. Of course, it's not just a wee dangerous that you do work on. Another popular game from Frontier is Planet Coaster, which is currently in alpha. Could we ever see that coming to Xbox in future? Uh, we haven't um, said any uh, plans to do that. I mean, obviously, it, it, it's a, a challenging um, platform to do it on. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. you know, we always keep a, a, a weather eye out on it. I think it's it's naturally fits as a as a PC game. So, that, you know, that's that's where it will be in, in the sort of foreseeable future. I think. Future. Yeah. No problem. Um. David, you're you're pretty active on on Reddit. Uh, you post a lot on the Elite Dangerous subreddit and stuff like that. Do you have any other cool subreddits that you like to browse that you can share with us? <laughs> um, nothing, nothing too weird. No, no, no. Uh, it's, I, I I often do look at Reddit and I sometimes follow links. Um, I, I do occasionally post. You know, I post on our forums. I post on Reddit. I, I generally don't 
um, I think I've posted a few times on the Planet Coaster Reddit as well. Uh, but I generally don't, um, and, and also obviously the Xbox One Reddit subreddit. Uh, but generally don't post a lot around Reddit. And to be honest, it's it's having, finding the time to to look at it. At least I can sort of justify it to myself when um, when I'm on um, the Elite Reddit that you know that I'm, it, it's useful. And obviously I've done quite a few AMAs. I've done an AMA on the Xbox One subreddit. Done an AMA on the Elite Dangerous uh, subreddit. You know so. Um, and I'm trying. I think I've done others as well. But the the, the point is, it's you know I, I think Reddit's great. Don't get me wrong, absolutely um, wonderful. And I love the way that the posts end up being filtered just by the way the system works. Mm-hmm. So so David, um, we do have a few questions that we wanted to get in front of you uh, from some of the subredditors. Um, not necessarily all related to Elite Dangerous. Um, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll start off and then I'll hand it over to Ross here. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a bit of a goofy one. Uh, you guys did connectimals. Do you have a favorite connectimal? <laughs> um I, I quite like the oh is it the the one um that's sort of like a cheetah with the white with the flex in it i thought that looks really nice um it's and also that you know they've got some lovely animations i think the it, it's astonishing the contrast between if you think between planet coaster um elite dangerous <laughs> connectimals uh zoo tycoon you know the games right. that we've done. We we have we have jumped around a lot, but that actually makes it that keeps us keeps us uh, keeps us on our toes. <laughs> now we've got a question from uh, you slash Foreman, and it's a bit lengthy, so bear with me. Uh, he knows that the pie is not Xbox related, but it would be a shame not to talk about it. Um, he has a few versions at home and is constantly amazed at the stuff people create with it. First of all, how have you seen it used in an educational environment? And secondly, um, what use for the Raspberry Pi have surprised you the most? Okay, so answering the first, actually I should just say a background for some people who, I'm, I'm, I'm um, one of the co-founders of the Raspberry Pi Foundation. I'm still a trustee director of uh, Raspberry Pi foundation and uh, yeah and it's great it's, i'm really really proud of what we've done you know the yeah. raspberry raspberry pi is a little computer that sells for around 25 dollars, and uh, we brought out a version called the pi zero for an astonishing five dollars which is it's amazing by the way ridiculous yeah. and we even gave it away free on the cover of one of the of our magazine which i i think just, just feels so strange given that it's <laughs> a complete pc essentially so, um, have I seen it used, or how has have I seen it used in an educational environment? So, the, the last yeah. time I saw it was an, a, a really wonderful um, uh, thing done at the Raspberry Pi birthday event, where we had loads of kids in, and the we I brought um, we brought our kids as well, uh, and it was called um, I'm trying to think building castles in Minecraft on a Raspberry Pi, and one of the wonderful things was uh, we'd. Uh, used um, we, we, we is using Python, a computer language I'm sure a lot of you know about, um, and some very simple script-based uh, ways of, rather than having to build all the blocks in Minecraft manually, we had a very, very simple function that you could put a block in the game, in a live running game from right. script, and then using loops and things like that to create castle walls very, very quickly, and then uh, including making the walls out of dynamite and see what happens because it's very <laughs> the things that are much harder to do and it, uh, and, and it, it's it's sort of teaching people the structured programming which sounds very dull but it meant they could make really big elaborate castles things that would take flipping ages to do really quickly and it was uh, to mostly uh, 10 to 12 year olds um, and obviously adults helping and it was it was wonderful to see it you know and it was the fact that the whole thing was very open, you know, that, that we've always taken with Raspberry Pi is it's a it's a it's, it's the opposite of a secure platform. You know, everything is accessible and it makes it very hacking, very easy. But that's a very, very good way to learn. It's the way I learned, you know, and so I'm, I'm very proud of how that works. And, you know, and, and then going on to your your second question, um, obviously, it's ideal for where money has, is tight. Uh, I think the. The use that most surprised me, though, was where um, the taking pictures from orbit in a Raspberry Pi. 
One of the things that by luck, actually, with the original Model B, we got right was the power consumption is quite low and it can run off four uh, AA batteries. But we got it just right. It, it uses just enough current to stop the batteries freezing. One of the problems with AA batteries, if you put them out in space, is they quite quickly cool down. And at about, I think it's about minus, ah. six, minus 60 centigrade or something, they stop giving power, which is quite bad if you need power. But yes. the great thing is they draw just enough power to keep the batteries warm, okay. which means they keep giving power. So uh, the people who've, I think they, it, it was possible at one point, the world's, or thought to be the world's highest personal computer, um, where uh, it, it, it went you know, higher than any airplane, up to I think 100,000 100, feet or something like that before the balloon popped and it came back down. Um, and that's because a lot of the ones, the ones that go into things like the space shuttle, which of course now has had, not space, you know, the um, space station, yeah. uh, has now had a Raspberry Pi in it. But a lot of those are sort of essentially mil-spec mil type things that have been specially hardened for use in space. And if you've seen Astro Pi, which is a special version of the Raspberry Pi, uh, which um, Tim Peake has been working on lately, yeah. you may have seen, um, is is really great things that people are doing on it and very very exciting but i think the key thing is what i think a, one of the side benefits of raspberry pi that we've been doing since um well for quite a while now since about 2008 uh is we've made programming a lot more fashionable you know that before that you know is seen as a very nerdy sort of activity whereas now we're seeing a lot of girls getting involved we're seeing people creating really good fun stuff. I mean, the thing that I love most is just seeing a Raspberry Pi with lots of gaffer tape and blue tack on a robot doing some interesting stuff like following lines on the floor or whatever it is, because you learn so much in doing that. You learn a bit of hardware, you learn how power works, you know, you know, learn how to wire up a motor. You know, all of those things are wonderful activities to do in school or, or it's principally after school clubs, actually, where it really um, comes into its own. Amazing. Well, I've got a five year old and just knowing that things like Raspberry Pi are, in, are about and the, the development that he's going to get from something, frankly, that you were fully involved in at the beginning is I amazing. Do. I agree, and I hope so. I mean, we've seen classes of six and seven years old, so it's not very much older than, than your kid, no. um, no. using Scratch. Because the other thing we've done, we've tried to make sure, I mean, Scratch, I don't know if you know, it's a very friendly drag-and-drop language. Yeah. With, um, um, I mean, look it up if you haven't. It doesn't have to, you don't have to run it on a Raspberry Pi. But we've got an optimized version that actually runs quite fast, so you can do quite fun things with it. Um, but do do take a look, because for younger children, that works really well. I think the BBC bringing that in. Oh, this is going to be great for our American listeners, but... It's, it's <laughs> hey, we get the BBC. Coding. <laughs> you pay for it. I don't know what channel it is, but it's not. Well, I suppose we pay for it here, but... Uh, um, I'm cutting that out. <laughs> uh, now, we do have a funny question um, that we do ask all of our guests, so I'm sorry in advance for having to ask you this, okay? But um, what classic video game character could you knock out with one punch? You want mm. some context and some examples? If you like, and I was my first thought, I don't know. Um, oh, no, I want to hear your first thought. No. Who else have? <laughs> Keep it well, I think sort of Link at the beginning of Zelda, because he's such a rubbish, he gets really good by the end because he's got swords <laughs> and stuff. But given that <laughs> right at the start, of, you know, I was thinking, uh, my, I think my favourite Zelda game was, uh, was um, probably Zelda on the 64. Oh, God, yeah. it's, it's Ocarina story. of Time. Yeah, yeah, lovely game, but it's a uh, uh, link at the start. is so rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> no, that 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 is a very good answer. Just to so, see the other you, answers. So, what, what are some of the other answers then? Right, so Duck Hunt Dog, times Very two. Popular. Two people have mentioned Duck Hunt Dog. Right. Uh, Major Nelson said Frogger. Oh yes, that's a good one. Yeah. Um. Anyone else, Reese? Remind me. Uh, well, I I said Cubert. Uh, and and Clay yeah. said um, Paperboy. Yeah, Paperboy is another <laughs> one as well. But we're developing oh, this list of classic and, ones. And Echo the Dolphin. Oh, yeah, Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> the Xbox support team like knocking out animals. That's what we've discovered. <laughs> <laughs> but look, anyway, thank you so much for joining us today. Lovely. Um, You're very, very that, welcome. Lovely talking to you. 
that was an absolute amazing interview. I just could sit and listen to you all day, to be honest with you, as I'm sure the listeners could, but you're so, such a busy man. We'll, we'll let you you're, move on. You're too kind. <laughs> but again, thank you. Um, and have we said Nils Tad? No, nothing. Thank you so much, David. This is, uh, like Ross said, I've, I've just been sitting here at the edge of my seat like, ooh, wow. <laughs> so It's so interesting. I didn't know any of, any of this stuff about the Raspberry Pi. But uh, so, yeah, thanks for sharing with us. And yep, you're uh, very yeah, welcome. Hopefully, we can have you come back at some point. Yeah, Excellent. please do. I'd, I'd love to. Wow, guys, I do not know about you, but that was an amazing chat that we seem to have with him. I could literally <sighs> listen to that man speak for hours. It was so good. Uh, I, I think we could just do uh, like a weekly podcast of David Braben talks about stuff. Can I say nerdgasm on this? Because... Yeah, I think you can. Because <laughs> that's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, guys, if you enjoyed it, you know, put down in the messages below. Tweet us, tweet David. Um, I'm one of the most interesting people I've ever had the pleasure of, of having a chat with. Really? So, yeah, and I'm looking forward to the latest updates that are coming out yeah. whenever oh, they appear. Go so pick up Horizons. Was, so. yeah. I'm, a, I'm the huge Elite fan, like I mentioned before, and, and during the during the interview, I I have played hundreds of hours of Elite, uh, so I am, I am super excited. So as we've mentioned before, make sure if you guys have any comments or feedback for us that you'd like for us to talk about on the next podcast, do so in the comments or hit us up on Twitter. Right now, we've got a few comments that we want to chat about the first one being from user Canistim, Canistim, Canistesium, Canistim? <laughs> who, who <laughs> asked us all to read off a little main thing here to test out our... Wait, 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 stop, stop. Did you no? just say maim? Yeah, isn't it a maim thing? Oh my god. <laughs> Get off this podcast. Get off the internet. You you are no longer welcome here. <laughs> it's a meme. Ah, meme. <laughs> uh, meme. Meme. Uh, at least you didn't meme. call it a may may, I suppose. <laughs> may may. <laughs> so, who wants to read this off first? I think you're, you're making us do it, so you do All it. All right, I'll be the first one to read this off. If two witches watch two watches, which witch would watch which watch? Nicely done. I think I should go next, seeing as I'm the one who actually uh, asked the question. It was based on my mine and Ross's accents. So, <clears throat> if two witches watch two watches, which witch would watch which watch? Ross. If two witches watch two watches, which witch? Would you which watch which which? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you guys. Oh, so I, moving on from that that uh, I don't know what that was train wreck of <laughs> requests there. Ground breaking uh, journalism. Is, this is getting cut, by the way. Yeah. This is getting cut. Use, user energy like all gave of us. Yeah, user energy gave us some apparent clarification on our DVR conversation that we had in episode three, stating that apparently. At least of last year, the plan for the DVR is that it will require a separate external hard drive dedicated to just the DVR. This is to prevent performance degradation when playing a game and DVRing at the same time. Doing both on one hard drive would cause too much contention. Well, that actually makes a lot of sense. And, and that does seem legit. Yeah, yeah. Now I just but need this a, is a rumor. Now I just need a new slim console that has extra USB ports. So, and a like, handle. That's And a handle. That's right. And no disk drive. <laughs> and a built-in microphone. So, Clay, if, we, if people wanted to get a hold of us, where would they find us? Yeah, Ross, um, I was hoping we could give you out your phone number and people could text you throughout <laughs> the week. <laughs> Now, uh, the best place to no. hit us up is here on the Xbox One subreddits. Uh, you can find us over in the wiki, as well as there should be a little sticky posting every week once we get the uh, podcast up, as well as over on Twitter is a great place to follow us, uh, get a hold of us. Uh, we're very active over on there, and that is X1 Party Chat over on Twitter. 
Fantastic. And if we wanted to get a hold of you guys personally, how would we do it? Airmail? Airmail is not a bad idea. Uh, you can find me over on the subreddit at uncle underscore Jesse, uh, as well as over on Twitter at uncle Jesse for real. Reese, how about yourself? No. Now, me, I prefer uh, pigeon to uh, nice. airmail. But uh, if if your pigeons aren't feeling too good, you can find me at you delicious underscore cheese with the fancy green mod hat on the subreddit. And you can also find me on Twitter at delicious cheese. That's with a Z. So you can find me on the subreddit as Moss842 or on Twitter at RossM1984. You can see I like my numbers. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and guess that's your birthday. No. Oh. oh. Wow. Okay. So you're just... I was born in, I was born in 1997. <laughs> yeah, that, that seems legit. <laughs> yeah, I'm 42. It was 1987. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that is the end of another episode. Thank you to Frontier and it's David Braben for joining us here. And a thank you to you, Reese. You are very welcome. And to you, Clay. Woohoo! Thank you, Ross. We'll catch you each and every Wednesday on the subreddit and Xbox off. Game on, baby! Wow! I, I learned this in, in, in English lessons in school. Uh, you want to know the, the most difficult and yet the most simple tongue twister there is in English? I'll, I'll tell you. Okay, say slowly with me. Red lolly, red yellow lorry. Red, what was that? Red lolly, <laughs> red lolly. yellow lorry. Like the truck. Red, hey, I can't even repeat that. It's not happening. Red lorry, right. red lolly. I'll... I'll Red, red. I'll write it down for you. <laughs> I'm having another. I'm having another Steen Stein moment here. So. Oh. There, it's written, it's written me... in chat. There you go. Right. Say it for me. Red lolly, yellow lorry. Red Ross? lolly, yellow lorry. Just red lolly, yellow lorry. All right, now say it five times fast. Oh jeez. Red lolly, yellow fast. lorry. Red lolly, yellow lorry. Red lolly yellow lorry. Red lolly yellow lorry. Red y- lolly yellow lorry. All right, lorry. all right, all right. Now switch it around. Red <laughs> lorry yellow lolly. And the purpose of this is? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, oh, wait, this was a gaming podcast, wasn't it? Nah. <laughs> Thank Red you, lorry yellow lolly. Red lorry yellow lorry. Red lorry yellow lolly. Red lorry yellow lolly. Red if, lorry yellow okay, lolly. If, if someone could send us a recording of them saying that five times really fast, like, uh, I, you're just amazing. Red lorry yellow lolly. Red lolly yellow lorry. So, so like Ross, on. Ross I, I need you before we move on to read yeah. that back again in your true, true Scottish accent oh so not the so everyone can understand me voice yes yeah that right, or sh- okay. that or your best sean connery impersonation <laughs> oh my sean connery impersonation is not good oh. <laughs> so, if two witches watch two watches which witch would watch which watch that's not not that's... too dissimilar just so very fast no I so don't... this has been the xbox one party chat and we're Signing out. Peace. Bye. Would, do people still say peace anymore? <laughs> uh, apparently you do. <laughs> apparently you, yeah. yeah. <laughs>